Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This week we're going to analyze the Simpsons episode Dancing Homer from Season 2. In these tend to be older Simpsons episodes, the jokes are more organic, they flow from the plot and characters, less so in the later seasons, it becomes more like Family Guy, they, a lot of uh, jokes are shoehorned in. And so there's a lot of truth in these jokes, there's a lot of truth in in what they say. So let's analyze the jokes and glean whatever psychological information we can from them. And I think there's just a lot of, uh, you know, psychological truth uh, in jokes in general, because yeah, that's part of the reason why we laugh is the relief of this joke pointing out this truth and does so in a clever way. And so we laugh. There's a great relief in that. So we start off this episode. Well, first, let me just say this episode, Dancing Homer, Homer becomes the mascot for the local baseball teams, as Homer refers to it, the Bush League team, the Isotopes in Springfield, and later goes on to become a mascot for Capital City for the uh, Major League team. Doesn't work out as well. We'll discuss exactly why that is, why it could not have worked out well for Homer, based on how he was relating with people, specifically Mr. Burns prior. Um so yeah, the theme is validation versus uh, connection here. And also I think the theme is status and the inevitable price of status. And is Homer first willing to pay the price for status or, or if, is he even able to pay the price? We will see. This episode begins Homer sitting in the bar feeling sorry for himself. The bar flies, including Barney, are interested and want to... Uh, hear hear what homer has to say hear what homer has to say while he's at the bar feeling sorry for himself and homer says i don't include too many quotations here but this one's good he says look there's only one thing worse than being a loser and it's being one of those guys who sits in a bar and tells the story of how he became a loser homer doesn't want to do that so this is after the fact after he went to capital city and didn't work out and moe says oh come on homer and immediately, Homer relents, which is a great joke. And it really speaks to how a lot of us, especially if we haven't been to therapy, our psychological baggage is right there in the service, and we need to talk about it. We absolutely have to talk about it, no matter how much we say we don't want to talk about it. But it's the phenomenon of being, you know, you know, having a difficult time holding space for anybody else to talk in a conversation. So if somebody says something like, oh, yeah, I went to this water park this past weekend, a lot, what a lot of people's responses, or if you need to go to therapy, though you don't know it, your response will be, oh yeah, I went to a water park too this other time and it was fun. You immediately talk about yourself. Just any opportunity to talk about yourself, even if you're totally overtaking the conversation in a uncharismatic way, in a very boring way, in a way that pushes people away, even though you don't know it and nobody will ever tell you. And this is what Homer does here. You know, these issues are right below the surface. All it takes is a little bit of a prod. You know, Homer doesn't want to be a The last thing in the world he wants is to talk about how he's a loser. A little bit of a prick, a little bit of a prod from Mo, and he's ready to talk about it <laughs> for the next uh, 20 minutes. So Homer begins the story of what happened, and it begins nuclear power plant employee, spouse, and no more than three children night indicating... Uh, the disconnection that Homer feels with what he perceives to be status in his life, the power plant as represented by Mr. Burns and to a lesser extent Smithers in this episode. 
Homer's not appreciated. He is not seen. Even when there is an employee night, he can't bring any more than three children. So, hey, Homer, you better not have a fourth children if you wanted one, because that that child will not be seen by that which represents authority in your life. Homer is, you could say, is repressed. And they take a bus to the stadium. Why would they take a bus to the stadium? There's clearly plenty of parking. You know, it's all contrived. Homer, you know, when he does get a night out on the company, it's it's all contrived. He he can't do it on his own. He needs to the, take the bus. And even when they get to the stadium, of course, Otto's the bus driver. Even when they get to the stadium, it's by accident. I mean, here, presumably, presumably they were in a chase with police officers. <laughs> and they only made it to the ballpark on accident. Otto says, yeah, we think we lost him. And hey, we're at the ballpark, right? Two birds, one stone. That's what he goes on to say. So, you know, we're just setting up Homer's dilemma and why he becomes Dancing Homer and why that Dancing Homer that works so well in Springfield doesn't work well in Capital City. It's a lot of setup here. and It's really good. It just seems like these, you know, these random jokes, these family guy jokes, but it's really not. Lisa appreciates going to the ballpark. She says something very interesting here that doesn't seem like just seems like Lisa being intellectual, but she's but later on you you know you realize that the profundity here. And she says there's just the green grass of the outfield, the crushed brick of the infield, and notably the white chalk lines that divide the man from the little boy. Lisa appreciates sports, specifically baseball, because it it's like this this contest on this playing field with these guidelines, you know, literally guidelines, lines drawn in the dirt, in the crushed brick that delineates little boys from men. That's her appreciation of the sport. But, you know, she she does not have Homer's uh, level of repression that goes into, it goes into him, you know, performing at his job, even if he doesn't do such a great job at it. For Homer... It's more about, well, he says here the beer, but what does the beer represent? It's this tool that Homer uses to express himself because he feels like he needs to contort himself and be a certain way in order to show up at the, up at this job 40 hours a week. And now this is his chance and he barely gets a chance, right? He can't bring any more than three children. They barely make it there. He has to uh, take a bus. I mean, how annoying is that? I mean, nothing's worse than having a parking a par- parking lot somewhere than taking a bus somewhere else, right? It's like, that's it's just the worst of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Right. So Lisa likes delineation. Homer likes expression. And then he even says to March, you know, this ticket doesn't only give me a seat. It gives me the right, nay, the duty to make an ass of myself. Homer is here to compensate for all the repression that is part of his life, uh, you know, most of the year. Um, right. And then more indication of the repression, uh, you know, not a healthy relationship with authority is, so the game will show up first. Mr. Burns likes them. Of course, everybody's smiling, even though, I don't know, that. <laughs> This gamble boy looks like he's, he's missing a chromosome. But anyways, the gambles, of course, to contrast the Simpsons. And yeah, I guess I don't show it here, but Smithers puts a smiley face next to their name. Then the Simpsons show up. 
Smithers whispers, it's the Simpsons, of course, Burns, perhaps because he doesn't really hear Smithers, or perhaps because it's a Freudian slip, he calls them the Simpsons, the Simps, which is, of course, a joke packed with meaning. I don't need to insult your intelligence by analyzing that too much. Uh, but again, it's just about Homer being unseen. Um, and he doesn't really want to be around Burns anyways, because Burns, you know, the card's old. With all the information of the Simpsons, the card's old. So he calls Maggie, he refers to Maggie as expecting. Obviously, you know, when they made the card, March was still pregnant. And Homer doesn't want to spend any more time around the boss. The baby's name isn't important. Let's go, Marge, right? I mean, just like, um, you know, it, it's very much like uh, an adolescent on a field trip with their teacher. And it's like, well, if you don't have to be around the teacher, then don't be around them. You know, let's just try to avoid them as much as possible. Let's just go and sit in the, the stands by ourselves. And I want to include this in here because, you know, before the game gets started, uh, one of the players for the Springfield Isotopes, Flash, Flash Gordon, I think, or, or is that something else? I forget the guy's, his, his nickname's Flash. He invites uh, Marge back to his hotel room in the cozy court motel with two Ks. I mean, you know, that that's a great joke. In its own right. I mean, it, it just it just speaks to the seediness of this hotel. <laughs> that, that it was you could just both of those words start with C. Why would you change them both to K? It, it, you only change them both to K if one of them's C and the other one's K, just to make it the same first letter. It's just it's so seedy it doesn't even make sense. Marge gets invited to to Flash's hotel room, but. There's a security here with Homer. He doesn't care. In fact, he's he's kind of impressed. Like, yeah, Marge, Marge yourself the magic. The magic, you know, he's not concerned that Marge is going to cheat on him with this baseball player. Yeah, I mean, he's washed up, but, you know, he did spend some time in the majors, and there was like, a, you know, Bart at least wanted his autograph. Bart doesn't want Homer's autograph, so that implies some kind of status. But Homer's okay with this. Like, in a way, he's secure in his place in the community. Because the community, we could say, accepts him for who he is. Marge and Homer have a connection. Marge sees all of Homer's faults, and she still loves him. I think this gives Homer like this this deep sense of security that he doesn't bring to his relationship with Mr. Burns. And this leads to his downfall. Well, his success at first, but then his downfall. And again, just speaking to Homer's... Part, being part of the community as he's on the jumbo vision and he likes it but even when it's shown that his flies down on the jumbo vision he he's totally okay with it he's totally man, why is it he's totally okay with it he's just like yeah thanks for letting me know everybody that my fly was down you can see lisa's embarrassed Bart doesn't care um, he's seen by springfield Homer is seen by Springfield, and Lisa will bring this up later. And he's okay with it. Then Mr. Burns comes out on the field to throw the first pitch, the first pitch, and he gives some line to Smithers here of like, yeah, when he was a, a young man, uh, he had a patented pitch that was uh, compared to many by the uh, to, uh, many to the trouble ball of Satchel Page. Of course, the thing about Satchel Page's trouble ball is it was just a fastball. It was like marketing. It was just BS marketing. It was just a fastball. But it was a really good fastball. 
Burns is trying to do the same thing, indicating that Burns' status here isn't real. He's just BSing. So then he throws the first pitch, and of course, it barely makes it off the mound. And everybody laughs at him. Sorry, Burns has status here, but in the context of Springfield, everybody's on the same playing field. And I, you know, I think it's uh, not. I think it's symbolic that they go to a playing field to see how everybody's on the same you know, level playing field. That's the, the usage. So there's a comfort here, right? There's a comfort here. Everybody knows Homer. They know his faults, especially Marge, and Homer's totally comfortable with it. Yeah, Mr. Burns maybe has some status over him. He's not that comfortable, but at least he, he he's free to laugh at his boss. And Burns knows it, right? And, and Burns knows that, like, it, it's very much like in uh, the other season two episode, which I'm sure I'll get to at some point, A Brush With Greatness, when Marge paints uh, Mr. Burns and he's he looks old and frail and people like it. I think it's Lisa's teacher, uh, Miss Hoover, says, yeah, you, you know, Mr. Burns is rich and evil, but he's also old. He's frail. So it it, it offers that. Um, that perspective on his richness and supposed evilness. Mm. So they all get to laugh at Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns knows it. That then we have another. Uh, oops, excuse me. Then we have another. Um, well, well, I think this indicates the theme in this. In what Bleeding Guns Mur Murphy does is in his extra long singing of the national anthem, which in the episode, according to the Simpsons is 26 minutes, but it's still 52 seconds from the viewer's perspective, which is a really long joke. He sings the national anthem for himself. It is all Bleeding Gums Murphy and his self-expression, but only Lisa likes it. And this foreshadows what Homer's going to be, Homer's dilemma here is, is he events of this mascot that's all about Homer and his self-expression and who he is and hey look at me Homer and only a certain segment of the population are going to like it. only Springfield will like it just like only Lisa likes Bleeding Gums Murphy Bleeding Gum Murphy's uh you know singing of the national anthem which I think you know 15 to 2 seconds is extremely long for a joke probably even back in 1992 or 91 whenever this episode came out but I, I think it's just, I mean, as a side point, I think it's very American that they could get away with the joke that's 52 seconds because it's about the national anthem. So Americans, yeah, we'll sit through it because we like the national anthem. I mean, that, that's why it was such a big deal. If you're not from America, that's why it was such a big deal with those, those football players were taking a knee. I think football players still are taking a knee, but I think people just realize, yeah, it's probably uh, not that big of a deal. Just, just any, any excuse for an argument. Uh, about our culture war that's going on right now. But yeah, here we have a microcosm, I think, of what will happen to Homer later on this episode. And Burns comes and sits in the bleachers with all the other uh, employees, and, I, you know, it's just more indicative of the overall cheapness of this night, right? Nuclear plant employees, spouses, and no more than three children. Also, we're going to go to this baseball game that nobody really wants to go to, as indicated by nobody's in the bleachers over here on, from our perspective, the right side. <laughs> and I don't have it included here, but the announcer is talking about the isotopes have a 26-game losing streak. 
which is some kind of record, and the answer says, hey, look at that, our sleepy town is in the record books, again indicating Homer's status. This indicates Homer's status because he is accepted by this sleepy town. He, he can only be accepted by this sleepy town that, um, you know, that has a, ba a baseball team, a Bush League baseball team that's has a 26 game losing streak with, which is some kind of record. So Burns doesn't really want to lower himself, but he does it to prove that he's the friend of the employee and he's six, um, the employees and he just happens to sit next to Homer. And of course, Homer, when Mr. Burns comes and sits next to him, Homer is in full self-expression, unbridled, unarticulated self-expression, very much being a child, you know, you know, making faces at the players and, and chanting taunts at them, taunting the players. And in, in a sense, you know, we want a pitcher, not a belly itcher, you know, whatever, whatever those were. And he's really upset that Mr. Burns comes and sits next to him and says the best night of the year. I mean, this is the best night of the year for Homer. I mean, how sad is that? You know, of course he wants to get drunk because he doesn't see any kind of expression any other way. I mean, this is the best night of the year. You know, that's pretty sad, but he thinks it's ruined because he cannot get drunk. They're both a little bit nervous around each other. Obviously, uh, Homer's going to be more nervous around um, Mr. Burns. He pretends like he doesn't want to drink beer. Realizes that Mr. Burns wants to be here. Of course, Mr. Burns' character isn't really fleshed out at this point because there's no way Mr. Burns in later episodes would want a beer. But in season two, he does. And Homer only wants the beer now because he sees that maybe it's okay because Mr. Burns wants a beer. And he even says to Mr. Burns, well, if somebody of your stature wants a beer, then it must not be that bad. And Mr. Burns joins in in the taunts. They do a wave together. They seem to be getting along. You know, they seem to be getting along, but really this is Homer seeking Mr. Burns' validation. And this will be shown later on. Mr. Homer is only acting this way because Mr. Burns is okay with it. If if Mr. Burns wasn't okay with this, if he, if he wasn't drinking a beer and, and doing the taunts, Homer would stop drinking the beer and, and the taunts. And doing the taunts too. So again, this is an indication that this is Homer seeking validation, not a real connection. He is taking Mr. Burns' lead. And it works out here for short term because they just happen coincidentally to share the same values and and strive for the same experience, at least in this context. But this but his failure to connect well here will sow the seeds of his destruction later on. And I included, I got to include this still in because this is my buddy Derek's, you know, favorite moment, I think, where Mr. Burns and Homer's arms are around each other. You know, we're not going to see much of this in later episodes. And then why is Mr. Burns upset here? Oh, yeah, he says, my one game per year, my one game a year. So this is the one game that Mr. Burns goes to in a year, and it's ruined by pathetic incompetence because the Isotopes are going to lose now their 27th game in a row. So now, this is why Homer becomes Dancing Homer. It's not because he wants to get into the game. It's not because he cares about having fun in his own right. It's only to protect his boss from any kind of negative feeling. Which, of course, indicates the validation issue. And to carry over from the intoxication 
prior to the beer and how Homer deserves to make an ass out of himself and get drunk because this is his this is his one night of the year to do it. He got up in front and felt an intoxication that had nothing to do with alcohol. This is Homer's voiceover from the bar. It was the intoxication of being a public spectacle. This is a different kind of intoxication. Everybody is embarrassed, but the slugger, the washed-up slugger McCloskey, hits a home run. But Mr. Burns isn't happy. He says, Homer Simpson's uh, shameless display of exhibitionism tainted the entire evening. So now Homer's back. Not that it was a real connection before, but now Mr. Burns is able to see the false connection. It was just Homer seeking validation, right? And, and trying to get Curry even more favor for Mr. Burns ended up ruining whatever pretense of connection was there, which is ultimately what ends up happening in these kinds of situations where, where you have a fake connection and it feels good and it can be intoxicating. You know, the, the intoxication that, that Homer felt here, it was the same, you know, when he's dancing in front of people, it's the same intoxic, intoxication that he felt here when him and Mr. Burns are supposedly friends. Uh, so to continue, everybody's embarrassed. I mean, Homer's banned for life again, See, indicating that this was ultimately about Homer's performance in front of Mr. Burns, not a real connection. He was just going for Mr. Burns' approval. The owner of the Isotopes comes out and offers Homer to be a mascot for the Isotopes. And, uh, you know. What do I what do I say here? That's just anyway. So here's the real point. <laughs> I don't know why I included that. You know, hey, not not all these stills are total winners. Uh, so we go to the next scene. Now we're in Act Two, where Homer is dressed up in his outfit. I think a lot is indicated in this outfit. Homer chose this outfit. Homer chose the the ridiculous cape, the, the suspenders. This is Homer's self indulgence. Right, this is Homer's self-indulgence. This is all about Homer. And, you know, Homer becoming the mascot has indicated that this isn't really genuinely uh, healthy, is that, you know, it it, it introduces some, um, some baseness, I guess you could say, into the Simpsons family. Because he says, hey, don't fill up on those vegetables. Save room for nachos, right? Save room for junk food at the ballpark. We're going to spend a lot of time at the ballpark. This is Homer's self-indulgence, but it's going to work. It's going to work because this is the, the you know, this is Springfield. And Springfield accepts Homer no matter what, which is, of course, part of, will be part of Homer's downfall later on. Uh I guess Springfield here represents like a family, an institute of family that Homer cannot break out of. He's been groomed to be a part of this family, Springfield, and when he tr and his antics work when he's in the family. This family can accept him, but when he tries to branch out, it's not going to work. And there's probably some indication here, you know, a lot of the mascots for these Bush League teams that uh, the Isotopes uh, play, like the Burlington Drifters, not exactly the most flattering mascots. Later we have the Salem Boulevardiers, which is a drink. So your mascot's a drink. 
Homer does a great job, you know, getting the crowd excited, but when he tries to taunt the players, it doesn't work because they're, they're on the field, right? Their life is about the delineation, those lines in the, in the crushed brick that delineate a little boy from a man. It doesn't work on them, but it does work on the fans because they're there for expression. Why does it click twice? It's really annoying. Yeah, I don't know. So this is just an indication that, that Homer is becoming more popular now. He's, you know, his name's above the actual game. He becomes more important than the game. Helen, or excuse me, Homer goes to Helen. The organist, you know, makes some requests indicating that he's becoming more a part of the team. But, you know, we look at Helen and, and what's really going on with Homer and maybe professional sports in general the Simpsons creators could be saying, I wouldn't be surprised if they're saying this because they are liberal boomers, but this is a fantasy, right? Helen, she's smoking cigarettes. She has a martini there. She has those posters of hunky men in the background. You know, this is all fantasy. It's not real. Homer's acceptance uh, by Springfield, like, yeah, it's true in a sense, but it's it's not, it's not truly real. It's not real status. Uh, and then he does such a good job, supposedly, that he gets called up. So this the guy on the left here in the cowboy hat, you know, indicating the sticks, po-donkey kind of nature of Springfield. He says, okay, you get called up to Capital City to be a mascot for their baseball team. Homer's unsure of it. And Lisa dissuades Homer from moving to Capital City, moving the whole family to Capital City, because she says everyone in Springfield knows us and has forgiven us. Let's just take that. You know, it's good enough. Like, Homer, like, you can, your fly can be down on the Jumbotron, and you're totally okay with it. That, that is a gift. Like, you are groomed to be part of Springfield. You're not going to make it anywhere else. Now, Marge, which is kind of maybe out of character for her, I don't know. I, I didn't have any thoughts about this. Um, she encourages Homer to go, so they go. And Homer says goodbye to the fans here. This is the most dramatic goodbye. And I think this indicates Homer's eventual eventual downfall because it's really the fans. It's really Springfield as a city that he's going to miss because it's Springfield as a city that made him who he is. Mm. All right. And continuing. Okay. So now they're in capital city. Uh, uh, we're sitting here with the Capital City Goofball, which is the present uh, mascot for the team. It, it, this, and this shot just tells everything. I mean, everything about this episode is summed up, summed up in this scene. I mean, Capital City Goofball, he has, you don't know who he is. He's totally anonymous. He has a costume on. And, and right here in this scene, he's talking to Homer about how because of his costume, because of his outfit, because of that thing that covers him up, he can't even urinate properly during the game. He's pointing down to his crotch like, this thing doesn't even have a fly on it. I think it's, it's, uh, and, and look, Homer, of course, he's just pretty much naked. You know, he's just wearing his, his skivvies. Uh, you know, especially when we zoom in on Capital City Goofball's face, yeah, you have the mask kind of weighing down his head, and the guy's eyes always look a little bit sad. He can't even walk around in the costume because, you know, his head's hitting the lights. The Capital City goofball, for him to be successful, he needs to, in a sense, repress who he is. He needs to cover up who he is, you know, which is a very liberal, of course, boomer way of looking at 
you know, the, the discrepancy between high status and low status, like what are you willing to sacrifice? Is it really a sacrifice or is it really a price that you pay? Homer's dancing Homer, Homer's costume is completely self-indulgent, which again, works in a small town, works in an insular community, but it's not going to work in a big city where part of the connection is asking yourself, what do these other people want out there? What do they want to see? And Homer never asked that, which of course leads to his downfall. He's getting nervous here. Then when he gets up and dance, of course, nobody nobody likes his antics. Part of the reason is, part of the reason is, of course, you know, I, I, the reason why I chose this is because Homer has fear in his eyes, right? His eyes are open. He's, he's a little bit afraid, you know, like a, like a, a scared animal on the savannah keeping an eye out for predators, you know, look, looking for any movement in the bush to see if if some lion or, you know, predatory animal is going to jump on him. So maybe it's Homer. He only feels comfortable being himself in Springfield. Maybe it's the, the big city, capital city. They're, they don't appreciate his insular nature. Either way, there is a lack of connection here. Now, there's a lack of genuine connection before, because right? it's just Homer's silly self-expression <laughs> that that people liked him. But uh, here, it's it's become more more uh, stark. And anything that was lacking in Springfield is really made evident here. Of course, people don't like it. They think that he's making an asset in front of himself, which is what he was doing in Springfield. But Springfield accepts him for that, just like they accept him for you know, having his fly down and Homer gets fired, you know, after one game. I, I think it's telling that the owner is David, Dave Rosenfield, which sounds Jewish, right? It, or I think that I've actually never heard of Rosenfield, but Rosenfeld's a Jewish name, you know, typically a name, you know, from a group of people, uh, Jewish people who have done a lot to assimilate and they, you know, change their last names and uh, to, to assimilate in whatever culture they're in because, uh, you know, to be very cosmopolitan, you know, to try to fit in, in a sense, like repressing part of their identity, you know, like uh, John Stewart's name. I forget his real last name, but it's something very Jewish and just doesn't look good on the marquee. So he changed it to Stewart for his showbiz career. And that's exactly what Homer didn't do. Exactly what Homer didn't do. He, he didn't look out at the milieu and ask, hmm. What do they want? What do they need? It's all based on what Homer wants. And that's why he's not successful. And that's why he didn't gain the status. And that's why his status in Springfield only works in Springfield. So it's not really about Homer. It's more about Springfield at that point. So I think it's telling that, yeah, he has the, this, you know, what we could assume to be a Jewish owner. Firing Homer. And Lisa says a lot here in this. She says she doesn't want to go back to Springfield because she'll wither and die like a hothouse flower, which is exactly what happened to Homer. You know, she's not going to wither and die going back to... So the thing about a hothouse flower is it's grown in this in a certain climate, and it, which makes it really fragile. That's a hothouse flower. That That's what this, this saying represents. You can't take it out of its environment in which it grew up. It's not going to survive anywhere else. This is exactly what happened to Homer. And he really 
And because of this, he never really cultivated an identity, which is why he could not relate with Mr. Burns, which is why he becomes codependent with Mr. Burns and creates Dancing Homer. It's all the result of Homer being unable to connect with other people. Now, there's some good in that, right? Because he has this relationship with Marge that isn't going anywhere. I mean, it is rock solid. But the bad part is, is he can't expand. He can't do anything else. He Like, that's a huge sacrifice. And maybe the hothouse flower, you know, it grows very well in a certain climate, but it doesn't, you know, he's not willing to do, he's not willing to change his last name from Rosenfeld to Rosen. He's not willing to do that. He's not willing to ask the questions of what name would work better here. Which I'm, you know, that that's what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not Jewish, but when my grandfather came to America, I mean, one of the things I'm really proud of is he changed our last name. It was a very ethnic, Turkish-sounding name, and he changed it to Darian. So he could fit in. And that's like, you know, one of those things that I really... I have a lot of pride in and I think really what it, what it takes to be an American is being able to do exactly what Homer doesn't do in this episode, which is why he ends up back in his home country of Springfield. And then Bart says, well, I guess it's back to good old Springfield. So the kids are lamenting that they need to go back to Springfield. And as I indicated earlier in the, uh, in a previous, uh, Simpson psychoanalysis episode, this is Marge's narcissism, right? She scolds the kids for having their own emotions about it. You can't have your own emotions about it because this is hard enough on your father. It's kind of a side point here, but I think worth worth mentioning, Marge's neurosis. And, you know, they all say, hey, yeah, we're, we're glad to see you. And Homer laments, yeah, my kids are good, stood by me. It, on the way home, I realized how little that helped. This is him talking voiceover talking to the barflies, <clears throat> Barney and Mo included. So now we're back in Mo's tavern at the end of the episode. And Homer realizes, hey, I'm the center of attention through honesty, not through performance. You know, I don't have to perform and get up on the dugout and dance to be the center of attention. I can just be myself. And pretty much what he does is he's the the dancing version of Homer, but just sitting down and talking to people. And everybody's really impressed by his story. Like, wow, what a saga! And Homer loves it. He's like, hey, you guys are hanging on my every word. This is great. And Mo likes it so much, he presumably even gives Mo a free beer and says, "Tell it again, Homer." And Homer asks the open-ended question um, to close the episode. I wonder why stories of degradation and humiliation make you so popular. And uh, Mo answers the question off screen. I don't know. They just do. Right? Mo implicitly answers it. Homer asks an open-ended question about the nature of connection, and Homer implicitly answers it. Excuse me. Homer asks the opening of question. Mo implicitly answers it. Excuse me. So I think this episode offers a lot about, you know, like I said before, the theme is connection versus validation. And when you are with somebody and you feel good around them, is it because 
you're really connected with them or are you just feeling that intoxication of getting their validation and are you going to use that intoxication that you feel with them to go out and and make an ass of yourself which ruins of course any potential for that relationship uh, and you may get some success making an ass out of yourself, but it's ultimately going to be your downfall. And, you know, really makes this question, what is the price? You know, because status is nice. Everybody wants status, but there there is a price. There is a price. And I think to a certain extent, it's worth it, of course, that the price is more than worth it. But maybe after a certain point, it isn't worth it. And I'll leave you to decide what that is for you. Thank you guys. If you have any questions, leave them in the comments. If you want to reach out and uh, talk to me, let me know what's going on. We do free consultations. Joinanimous.com slash schedule. And I wish you all the pain and joy that comes from paying whatever price you need to pay for whatever status it is that you want.